0: Well, let's turn to the Word of God. What do you say? We're going to start out this morning in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Before we begin, I want to uh, just recap a little bit. Two weeks ago, uh, I preached a message called, Oh, the power. The awesome power that god has placed within our lives through the indwelling of the holy spirit the same power that raised jesus from the dead is available to every believer all the time 24 hours a day seven days a week Amen. if you get into one of those god help me situations all you've got to do is switch the power switch on and resurrection power is at your and call He dwells within us. And the scriptures tell us that there is an unending, uninterrupted flow of divine power coming toward you at all times. It's like a a never-ending current of dunamis, the power of God. (coughs) The same power that God used to create the universe. same power that was released when God said, let there be light. That same power is coming toward you with a, uh, in an unending flow, uninterrupted. Yeah. It's always there. Right. But then we found out last week, we talked about how f- your faith is the switch that turns that power on. Right. You know, we have all kinds of power running past this building through those power lines. More power than we can handle. It comes to that power pole, and there's this little round box there. I can, I can see one right out the window there. And it's called a, it's called a uh, transformer that takes that power and transforms it into uh, a lower voltage, voltage or wattage uh, that sends it to our building. And then when we uh, walk in, at any time we desire, all we have to do is flip a switch back there, and the lights come on. It's a marvelous thing. Amen? Uh, uh, Most of the people who've lived on this planet throughout the thousands of years did not enjoy that luxury. But because of Thomas Edison and others, you know, they've figured out a way to harness that power and redirect it and and make it conform to more usable form so that whenever we turn the switch on, we can toast our toast with it. Amen. Or whatever use you have for it. And it's a marvelous thing. And and faith is the switch that releases the power of God and energizes it in your life. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20, or chapter 3, verse 20, said, you know, that he is able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power which is at work within us. That word, at work, which is at work within us, is energia. It's the Greek word that we get our word, energize. So we know that God's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all the power that we can ask or think. He can do anything more than we can even ask and think. How many of you believe that? God is more powerful than your imagination. God is more powerful. You cannot ask God to do something that He is not able to do in terms of His power, His ability. But that little phrase, according to the power that that worketh or that is energized within you. That power of God is released in our circumstances by our faith. Our faith is the switch that energizes it. That's why the scripture says that without faith it is impossible to please God because we must first believe that God is and most of us do, I would say 100% of us in this room, we believe that God is, and that He is all that, and that He is that He's able. There's never a question of whether or not God is able. We usually fail in the second part, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. If we really believe that God rewards those who diligently seek Him, then we would be more diligent in our seeking Him. Yes. Yes. Amen. Yes. If we really believe that the, the, uh, uh, the measure of God's power that is released in our lives is proportionate to our seeking Him, yes. then we would be seeking Him even more. Yes, That's right. That's good. We wouldn't even be able to close the doors of the church. There'd be people demanding access 24 hours a day. Because they they really believe that God is and that God really will reward you for your diligence in seeking him. I believe you're here this morning because you believe that. You believe that God rewards people who go out of their way to find him. God is invisible and that's for a reason. He doesn't want to be available to people that don't want him. But He will reveal Himself. He will manifest Himself to those who want Him, who will seek Him. Amen? And today, I want to talk to you about uh, the monkey wrench that gets tossed into the works and jams up the works. We're talking about God's power being manifested in your life through your faith that is released. It's a, wonderful, it's a wonderful machinery, God, how God's faith and God's power uh, reacts to our faith. Amen? And boy, when you can get that going smoothly, you're going to be living a life uh, filled with signs and wonders and miracles and all kinds of answers to prayer, and it's a beautiful thing. But there's a monkey wrench. The devil has a monkey wrench. Y'all know what a monkey wrench is? big old pipe wrench we used to call monkey wrenches because they kind of look like a monkey. And you take a monkey wrench and you throw it into a bunch of gears that are working smoothly, and that monkey wrench gets stuck in those gears, what happens? It jams it up. And next thing you know, you have a major breakdown. Well, there are a lot of Christians who have a monkey wrench that has been tossed into their faith and into the whole operation of God, and God's working in their life has been stopped. We're going to talk about the monkey wrench. By the way, this is the third part of a series that I'm doing this month, and so I want you to be able to go back and and uh, rehear those two previous messages. They're very important. They set the stage for today, and so uh, you can listen online just by going to Talk Bible. That's one word. Talk Bible. That's what we do around here. We talk Bible. Go to talkbible.sermon.net, and that's our channel, and you can listen to audio version of those messages, or if you want to see my face, you can go to my YouTube channel, which is simply Ronnie Thomason, Ronnie with a Y. All right. If you if you spell it the wrong way, you won't find it. And Ronnie with a Y it's just uh, Ronnie Thomason on YouTube. Just search for Ronnie Thomason, and you'll find the video version of these messages. And the reason I'm telling you this is because I want you to uh, I want you to go back and rehear these these messages so that y- so that your faith will be strengthened. Amen. Because I'm talking today about the monkey wrench that which will gum up the works. There's nothing more frustrating than to walk into a dark room and flip the light switch and nothing happened. You immediately know there's something wrong. Well, if you cry out to God and you put in a prayer request for something and, and you don't get what you're asking for, you know there's something wrong. Has that ever happened to you? Then you've got to figure out where the problem is. Is is has the has the power line fallen? Well, has God's power line fallen? Will God's power line ever fail? I, I, I refer you back to that phrase: uninterrupted flow. There is constantly an uninterrupted flow. Lightning storms, tornadoes, hurricanes do not. Bring down God's power. God's power is always coming at you. It's always coming your way. Hallelujah. That's shouting music to me. So if we flip the switch and the power is not there, then we know the problem is not on God's end. He he is not like J-E-A. J-E-A will fail you. J-E-A will cut you off. But God does not cut you off. So there's something in the works on our end that gums up the works. There's a monkey wrench. Well, we're going to find out what it is here in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight... Every weight, every weight, or we could say every monkey wrench. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin, not sins, but the sin. There is a sin. Everybody say a sin. sin. There's a sin that will gum up the works and cause your faith not to be operative. Which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. See, we got to remember where our faith comes from it comes from Jesus. He doesn't just begin it, He finishes it. It's good stuff. The faith of God that is within you is good faith, it works. God has given you good faith, working faith, powerful faith. Amen. Amen. Without it, you can't please him, but with it, boy, you sure can. But something there's something that is hindering that faith from operating uh, in, if, you're, if, if your uh, machinery is, is jammed up. So he says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising this shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The first act, the first act of Jesus after he sat down at the right hand of God was to send forth the Holy Spirit into his disciples. The first thing Jesus did when he sat down at the right hand of God in heaven was he sent forth the power of the Holy Ghost. And he has never rescinded it. Once the Holy Ghost was sent, he was sent. He is present in the earth today and he's coming at you always with an uninterrupted flow. I just feel the Holy Spirit just really emphasizing that phrase, uninterrupted, uninterrupted flow. There is an uninterrupted flow of power available to all of us. So if there's a problem, it's not there. The problem is in the switch. The problem is in the switch of faith. What's hindering your faith? Well, he said here that the the faith was hindered by every weight and the sin. There are weights and there are sins. Let's expand on that in Hebrews 12, 1 with the amplified version. I like the amplified because it amplifies it helps to further explain. So let's look at the Amplified. Therefore then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, and that sin which so readily, deftly, and cleverly clings to and entangles us, and let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before us. So from the amplified, we understand that the weight, the weight is unnecessary. It is an encumbrance. It's something that just weights us down, and hinders our running in the race. We also find out that it has to be stripped off and thrown aside by us. It's our responsibility to take off the excess baggage. If you're carrying around a 25-pound weight and you're running in a marathon, you need to toss that weight. Amen? And there are some unnecessary burdens, unnecessary encumbrances that we're carrying in life that negatively affect the flow of God's power. One time I was flipping the switch, trying to turn the power on in my house, and it didn't come on. And so I got out my screwdriver and I took the plate off and I looked in there and man, that whole box, that whole switch plate box, was just full of uh, Spiders. yeah, spider nests. You know, just just it was like I couldn't even see I couldn't even see the wires. I mean, somebody just somebody just built nest in there. And so I got, I got the vacuum cleaner out and I sucked all that out and I cleaned it. I took it off. I cleaned the connections and I stuck it back in there and I flipped that switch and the power came on. Right. It was just clogged up. Yeah. Now some things are, are a simple solution. Mm-hmm. And the, the way this reads is it's not a difficult uh, 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 endeavor. It's just simply like you taking a, a, a backpack off your back and tossing it aside so you can run easier and run lighter. There are things in our world and things in our lives that, that are, are encumbrances that we, need, that we need to toss aside. We think we need them. We think we can't go live, you know, live without them. We think we have to carry it. But God has made it easy for us to cast all of our burdens Upon him. Remember that scripture, casting all your cares on Jesus, for he cares for you? That word care, one of the definitions of a care is a burden or baggage or encumbrance or a weighty matter. Something that weighs on you. Amen? Amen. Well, what are some of these unnecessary weights? Well, in the Passion Translation, it says it sheds some light. I like the passion translation because it's passionate. You see, if you're going to succeed in life, you've got to get passionate about things. That will affect your measure of diligently seeking him. If you're not passionate, you will not be diligent. Amen? So always check your passion level. You need to dip your dipstick in your passion level and make sure you're full of it, full of passion. You get low on passion, and you'll burn up. I'm telling the truth. That's right. Some Christians have so little passion for the things of God, you wonder if they're even Christians. Amen. You know, I, I've, I, I've, I've sat across the table, you know, with, uh, with church members and Christians in my life. And, uh, and, you know, I'm there. I'm their pastor. They know I'm their pastor. They're my people. They know they're my people. And I'm there, you know, I'm thinking I'm there to help them. I'm, I'm there to speak something of God into their life. And all they want to talk about is sports and weather and politics. And I'm thinking, you know, And so I'll try to gear gear the whole conversation around to the things of God, and they act like that's the last thing they want to talk about. And I'm thinking, why am I here? Why am I even here? They don't care. They're not interested in anything godly or anything that relates to the Word of God or the Spirit of God. Otherwise, they would be full of questions. They've got their pastor here. How often do you get a one-on-one with the pastor? You would think they would take advantage of that, but no, they want to talk about football. Something's wrong when Christians are not interested and have no passion. That's a side. But Hebrews, I just, the passion translation. As for us, we have all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. So the Passion Translation translates weights into wounds, wounds that pierce us. Well, what are some of the wounds that pierce us? It's important for us to know because that's where the monkey wrench comes from. Well, first of all, we have the, wo- the word wound. People have spoken things to us that hurt us. Yeah, yeah. This is usually where most offenses begin. Sons whose fathers tell them at an early age they're stupid. They're an idiot can't do anything right. You'll never make anything of yourself. Those are wounds that that child becomes attached to and carries them like a burden on their back the rest of their life. And daughters can have the same wounds. We pick up baggage because of, of, of words that are spoken to us in the course of life. That's why, fathers, you should bless your children. You should confirm them. You should always confirm your son. Yes. And at the earliest possible moment, you should, you should speak of, to your son uh, man to man. You should, you should confirm the manhood of that son. Amen. Amen. When I talk to my son, I I tell him how proud I am of him. I tell him what a good husband he is. I tell him what a great father he is. I tell him what a good son he's been to me. I tell him what a great Christian he is. I, I I, I do everything I can to speak positively into his life. Because God convicted me early on from losing my temper and saying, you know, bad words to my kids. Yeah. Thank God he was there to convict me. Because my kids grew up without those word wounds. But maybe you're carrying some word wounds today. Maybe you've been carrying them for 70 or 80 years. Maybe it's something you picked up along the way. I I remember one time I was working, going to school, going to college during the day, and I was working part-time jobs at night. And I got a job working for a janitorial service. And uh, that meant I carried a buffer in the trunk of my car, a mop bucket, uh, brooms, mops, and all kinds of cleaning uh, chemicals and stuff. I carried them around in the trunk of my car, and I would go from uh, uh, office building to office building to, I mean, I I cleaned out insurance office buildings. I cleaned out dental office buildings. I cleaned out uh, uh, hairstylist office buildings and and, uh, you know, those toenail factory things, you know, where they, you know, to do your toenails. By the way, those were the nastiest places I cleaned. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Amen. And Amen. Uh, but, you know, I, I would have to drag out my equipment and go in after hours and punch in the alarm codes. And, and I, I'd work, you know, in the wee hours of the morning, you know, buffing and cleaning and whatever. And uh, and one time uh, I, I was assigned to go out to the airport, and clean the air traffic control tower, top to bottom. That meant I had to clean the break room, I had to clean the hallways, I had to clean the radar room, and I could only go in there when they had no incoming traffic, because I couldn't just walk in there with a vacuum cleaner and flip on the lights and go woo. You know. And so I had to time it just right. So I'd usually go after midnight. And, uh, and they would let me in there. And then I had the, those slanted windows up in the tower, you know. I had to, I had to squeegee those things, you know. And, and I, I mean, it was a, a lot of work. And I would work my tail off getting that place clean. Last thing I'd do is I'd take the buffer, and I'd buff the hallway and the break room, tile floors, and I'd get it looking just great. And then I'd go home. Well, one night I, I did all that. I went home. And I got a call from the boss, and the boss was mad. And he said, he said, you didn't go out to the airport. I said, yeah, I did. I just left there. He said, well, you need to meet me there. So I met him back out there. This was like 2 o'clock in the morning. And I walk in, and somebody had taken the coffee pot in the break room and just gone out in the hall and just slung the coffee, grounds and all, all up and down the hall. And And then called my boss and said I hadn't been there. I hadn't cleaned and he took their word over mine. So, the next day, I went to the I went to the office and I turned in my buffer, I turned in my mop bucket, I turned in all my equipment. I said I said I'm done. I said you didn't back me. You believe them over me. And I, and I don't tell a lie. And that guy began to tell me what a sorry employee I was, and he said, "I can't believe you're a Christian. I can't believe you're a preacher. You're not going you're not going to ever make it in the ministry." And I just, you know, I just, you know, I blew it off and I left. But I did not realize how powerful those words were. Yeah. And for years, when, for years after, I, I, when I would get in a low point in my ministry or a low point in just my week, you know, I would, I would hear that voice, you'll never make it in the ministry. It was, it was a word curse yeah. that was put on me that was, that was working against my faith. Until one day I I said, all right, Lord, what am I going to do about this? And he says, cast it off. I said, well, how do I do that? And he says, you just say, I cast it off. I reject it. I break this word curse over my life in the name of Jesus, and I do not accept it as truth. Amen? Amen? And I can't tell you how liberated I felt. And that, that thing hung on to me. It attached itself to me and hung on to me for probably the first 10 years of my ministry. But it has no effect, it has no power over me today. Because God told me what to do. He told me, cast it off. And I know if God tells you to cast it off, you can cast it off. Yes, Amen. Amen. Same way with demons that you accumulate over the years. Do so you know you can cast demons out of your own life? The Bible says, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. It didn't say in, that you can only cast devils out of other people. You can cast devils out of yourself. You know that devils can't stay where you don't allow them to stay? If you tell the demons you, they've got to go, they've got to go. They have to obey you when you speak in Jesus' name. So if you sense that you're being harassed by some demonic thing that has attached itself to you and you're having to carry it along with you in your walk with God, stop and tell it to get off and never come back. In Jesus' name. Amen? Lay your hands on yourself and cast the devils out of yourself. I found out in my in, in my uh, deliverance ministry experience that if the person I'm praying for would join in with me in the prayer to get rid of the demons, that the demons would leave quicker. That's right. That's right. Instead of them just sitting there like a zombie, I, I started engaging them in their own deliverance. I said, you tell them they're not welcome here. Now, the reason... I'll tell you how st- stupid the devil is. I learned that from the devil. Yeah, I was, I was casting the demons out of this one guy, and the demons spoke. And they said, this is my home. I have a right to be here. And I said, no, you don't. You've got to go. And the demon said, no, he wants me here. I said, oh, really? And I asked the person, I said, is that true? Do you want this demon to stay? He said, no, I don't want him to stay. And I said, well, then tell him he's not wanted. Tell him to get out. And he got this look on his face. He said, I can do that. I said, yeah, you can evict the devil. If a pig that was wallowing in the pig pen got into your house and got up on your couch... Would you go in your house and say, oh, Mr. Pig, please. Would you please, Mr. Pig, get off my couch? Amen. No. I said, what would you do? He said, I'd get the broom and I'd beat that pig until he got off my house and out, of my ra- and out of my house. Yeah, one guy told me he'd get a shotgun and he'd take care of that pig. I'm telling you what, you have authority over your own house. So anything that's strapped to your person, anything that you're having to that you're having to carry on your race that you don't want there, you have the authority and the power to eject it, evict it, cast it off, and throw it away. You're the master of your house. Amen. So words that wounded you, uh, word curses. Uh, how about how about uh, uh, evil acts? Evil acts can become uh, 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 baggage. Do you know that uh, uh, a, a huge percentage of all women yeah. have had some kind of molestation in their life? Mm-hmm. Y'all yeah. understand what I mean? And now, in this day and age that we're living in, many young boys are molested before they grow up. Yeah. 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 And you would be amazed. Or maybe you wouldn't. uh, Especially if you've been to see that movie, Sounds of Freedom. Which, by the way, beat out Indiana Jones. (laughs) You know... uh, Sounds of Freedom was supposed to have been released by Disney. And about five years ago, Disney says, we're not going to release that film. <coughs> and so they had to find new sponsors. They had to get money. They had to, it's taken them five years to get that film released. And Indiana Jones, which is a Disney movie, in the opening week, of those of those two movies coming out uh the sounds of freedom beat out indiana jones and so so the the, the christians beat out disney amen praise the lord I, that's huge folks that's huge but what we learned how many of have seen that movie sounds of freedom uh, it's not entertainment it's not the kind of movie you go to just relax and be with your family and be entertained it's information, and it will, it will astonish you just the facts and, and the, the statistics they give. The movie dramatizes just one man's efforts to liberate uh, a brother and a sister, but, but in, the, in the course of that movie, it reveals this huge industry that's bigger than the drug industry more money to be made more money being made and over 2 million children go missing every year and the United States is one of the one of the major consumers of that filth and so it's something we need to be aware of (coughs) but the fact is that that evil is in the world and people are, are, are wounded at, at an early age by either being molested, raped, sold, trafficked, or whatever by the evil acts of others. And you have, it's an amazing how uh, someone who's been involved in, and been a victim of such things, th- somehow or another the, the enemy twists it around and makes them, makes them think that they're responsible. That it is their fault. And and so they feel guilt and they feel shame. But, you know, if you're a victim, it's not your fault. But telling someone that and them believing that to the point that they are able to be delivered from that guilt and that shame is a huge step. But I'm telling you that the evil acts of others can wound you to the point that it becomes baggage for you for the rest of your life. And I know what that's like. Because, not because I experienced it, but I have had people close to me that experienced those things. And and it's amazing how it attaches itself and weaves its way into your, your thinking and makes you think you're not worthy of God's blessing and God's best. Amen. But I'm telling you, it can be cast aside if you'll believe in the delivering power of God and the forgiveness of God, and if you will forgive, woo, and that's the hard part, forgiving that person that wronged you, forgiving that person that, that hurt you, but if you'll forgive them, yeah. you can go free. Yeah. Forgiveness is the key to for- freedom, amen? Right. And then there's, then there's something that I, I would call the neglect wounds. Sometimes it's not something that somebody did to you or it's, it's not something that somebody said to you, but it's the fact that they neglected you. Yeah. And that can be baggage for you when it comes to uh, living your life with your faith flowing. You need, you need to realize that, that uh, even though people may neglect you, I'm talking about, you know, uh, children whose fathers were never there. Never there for them. You know, their, their dad was a workaholic and their mother maybe was a workaholic and they, they, they got raised by the, the nannies and the daycare people. Do you realize that a huge portion of our society are being raised by people who are not even their parents? And they feel these wounds of neglect. And it's deep and it causes them to think maybe that, that if their own parents don't love them maybe they're not lovable. Yeah. Maybe there's something wrong with them. You know, why else would why else would my, my parents not want to spend time with me? And that becomes baggage and it carries over into adult life. But I want you to know that we're able by the power of God, to not only forgive those people who neglected us, but to be free of that baggage. Amen? Amen? Amen. Hebrews 12, verse 12. Let's look at that in the King James. Hebrews 12, 12. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down, and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet. Who's got the responsibility for this happening? He said, you lift up your hands which hang down. You lift up your feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet. Lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let, let it rather be healed. These are liberating words, folks. God is saying to us, let healing come. Let healing come to me. If you have felt those wounds of neglect, you need to make your theme song. Yes, Jesus loves me. Can you sing that song with conviction? Can you sing that song and believe it? It will deliver you from those neglect wounds. Amen? And he says, verse 14, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. You see, we've got to be on guard against any root of bitterness that could come from neglect wounds or from uh, uh, the evil acts wounds or curse wounds. Amen. Because they become they become huge weights that weighed us down. And the Bible says we need to strip those off and cast them aside. In Jesus' name, let us lay aside every weight. That word lay aside means strip off, tear away, remove forcefully. It's you. You've got to rise up and do that. Amen? I'm telling you, if I was if I was walking along carrying a big old backpack on my back, And I realized all of a sudden I was in quicksand. First thing I'd do is toss that backpack. Amen. Amen. I'd get rid of anything that was waiting me down. And some of you, you know, you're struggling with that backpack. You need to take it off, strip it off, and remove it forcefully. Now let's talk about the sin. Everybody say "The the sin. The sin that clings to us and entangles us. He calls it a besetting sin. What is your besetting sin? You know, it's interesting that he didn't he didn't put it in the plural sense. He put it in uh, a singular sense. A sin. There's a sin that besets. There's a sin that trips you up, that entangles your feet and trips you. It's like it's like somebody threw one of those. Uh, one of those ropes and it hit your ankles and just twirled around your ankles while you were running and you just tripped and fell over. Mm. Happened to me one time with the garden hose. (laughs) Yeah, I was I was moving some stuff and and I had a garden hose just coiled up right there at the corner of my garage and I'm moving some stuff out of the garage and somehow or another that garden hose leapt out of there and wrapped itself around my foot. And the more I struggled, the more entangled I got until I fell over. And my kids were watching, and they were laughing because they said, Dad, it was in slow motion. And he said, you know, he said, you got tangled up in that hose, and he said, you went like this, and you went like that, and the more you shook your foot, the more tangled up you got, and then all of a sudden you just <laughs> fell over. I said thanks for the help. Amen. But they were so busy laughing, they forgot to come to my rescue. Amen. But it was uh, it was an entangling thing. You get your feet tangled up, and you're going to fall. And the older you get, the more likely you'll fall. You don't have the spring in your step. And you don't have the ability to. You know, stand on the other leg. You know, so you get you get your you get your foot tangled and down you go. And I'm discovering that the older I get, if I start if I start in the motion, uh, there's nothing I can do to stop it. I'm I'm going to go all the way. It's like my head weighs a thousand pounds. (laughs) Y'all know what I'm talking about. All right, you're you're not you're not as you're not as on your feet as you used to be. So it, it, can be a, it can really beset you. Well, there's a sin that can easily beset you. And we need to lay that sin aside and deal with it. Amen? Look in Matthew 22 and verse 36. Master, see, this lawyer came to Jesus. And this lawyer says, I've got a deep question for you, Jesus. Which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. The sin, the sin Is anything that comes between you and God. That's the sin. The sin is anything that takes away from your love for God. Anything that pulls you away from God will entangle your feet and cause you to fall. Lust for other things, evil desires. You know what an evil desire is? It's when you desire anything but God. All your desires, all your love, all your desires are to be toward God. And when you put anything higher than God, you have become what the Bible calls an idolater. What Ruth calls idolaters. You become an idolater. Idolatry is the simple act of putting something above God. It's a simple thing. It seems like an easy thing to do, and yet it has devastating results because it pulls you away from the very person that is your power source and renders your faith inoperative. Amen? Amen. Look in Colossians chapter 3, in verse 5. I'm going to read this from the Amplified Bible. Colossians 3, verse 5. He starts off, So kill, in parentheses, deaden and deprive of power the evil desire lurking in your members, those animal impulses, and all that is earthly in you that is employed in sin. In other words, you're to kill any desire that is working in your life to employ you in sin. Those animal impulses and all that is earthly in you. And then he lists some. Sexual vice. Impurity. Sensual appetites unholy desires and all greed and covetousness for that is idolatry and then he defines idolatry the deifying of self and other created things instead of God the deifying of self in other words I want it so I'm going to have it I don't care what God says Now, I know that you may never have put it in those words. But any time you willfully choose a path that you know is not God's will, you're putting yourself above God. And it will trip you up. Verse 6, It is on account of these very sins... "...that the holy anger of God is ever coming upon the sons of disobedience, those who are obstinately opposed to the divine will, among whom you also once walked when you were living in and addicted to such practices. But now put away and rid yourselves completely." Whose responsibility is it to put it away? So you've got to police yourself. Put away and rid yourselves completely of all these things. Anger, rage, bad feelings toward others, curses and slander, foul-mouthed abuse, and shameful utterances from your own lips. Do not lie to one another, for you have stripped off the old unregenerate self with its evil practices." And have closed yourselves with the new spiritual self, which is ever in the process of being renewed and remolded, fuller and more perfect knowledge upon and knowledge after these things, the likeness of him who created it. So he's telling us we have the responsibility to strip off all these evil practices. I want you to notice verse 6. It is on account of these very sins that the holy anger of God is ever coming upon the sons of disobedience. Now, I told you that the power of God is ever coming towards God's God's people. So God's power, God's dunamis power is always coming to you in an unending stream. But conversely, the idolaters have the anger of God ever coming against them. So you, you have a choice. It's, it's the same coin. On one side, you can have God's power in an unending flow coming towards you. And on the flip side of that coin, you could have God's anger ever coming towards you in an uninterrupted flow all determined upon whether or not you're going to be a true follower of God or an idolater. And idolatry is any time you choose anything over God. You can make an idol out of anything, folks. Uh, you know, I think Paul wrote about some people that their God was their belly. Their appetite, their gluttonous appetites. They're, you know, they're, they're, he's talking about a whole group of people. And he said their God is their belly. And so, you know, their their appetite, their desire to eat was their God. Some people make sex their God. Maybe not doing it, but thinking about it can be their God. Pornography is uh, is one of the worst epidemics uh, in, in the world today. And the United States is, one of the, is the leading uh, producer of pornography for the world. And it's easy to get hooked on it. A child with a cell phone can find pornography on his cell phone. And how many parents just can't wait to, for their child to have their own cell phone? and are too lazy to figure out how to block that phone from having access to pornography. There is a way. But most parents don't even think of it, don't even think to do it. And so they've got their little, their little uh, 12-year-old boy in his room uh, looking at pictures of naked women. Yeah. I, I remember when my son first got his own computer. Well, he was 20 years old. But he had his own computer in his room. And I remember my wife, his mother, going in there and having a long talk with him about the use of that computer and about the dangers of pornography. Yeah. And warned him and put the fear of God in him and the fear of mom and dad, too that the, first one of the, one of the, the quickest way for him to lose that computer would be, you know, to log on to one of those sites. But now, it's even easier than it was then. Yeah, it'll just pop up. Ruth and I were watching, you know, we, we were watching a, an episode of Hogan's Heroes on cable television, and up pops this ad of these two homosexual guys riding around on a bicycle, you know, and and uh, obviously homosexual and talking about, uh, you know, HIV medications. We didn't ask for that commercial. That's why we were watching Hogan's Heroes, to get away from all that stuff. And there it pops up right in front of us and just made me so mad I switched channels. Watch something wholesome like M.A.S.H., <laughs> which isn't. I'm telling you, folks, you can't get away from it. You can't drive down the street now without seeing pornography on billboards. You can't go to a football game without, uh, without scantily clad ladies, you know, dancing in front of you during, during the halftime and the breaks. It's everywhere, people. The temptation to lust is always there. And you don't ever outgrow it. You don't ever outgrow it. You don't ever outgrow it. Even when you can no longer perform sexually, you can still have that thought life. And it's an idolatrous thing that needs to be eradicated from all of our lives. Amen. And the scriptures, you can't read the scriptures without without uh, coming across conviction for these things. Anger, wrath, malice, hatred, gossip, fault finding, lying. How many Christians... We were talking about Hogan's Heroes and those old-timey shows, you know. Uh, One time somebody told me, he said, well, that's all I ever watch. I I watch Andy Griffith, and I watch these things, you know. And I I said, well, let me sit down with you, and we'll watch an Andy Griffith show. And so we sat down, and you know, it's, it's about 24 minutes when you take away the commercial time. About 24 minutes, and I had a piece of paper out, and I made a mark every time Andy told a lie. And you know, in 24 minutes, Andy told about 27 lies. And you know who he was lying to? Opie. He was lying to his own son. Now, there's a scripture in the Bible. I'm sure you've heard of it. If you've had good parents, I know you heard of it. All liars shall have their part in the lake of fire. Not some of them. Not per near all of them, but all of them. All means all. I told you that, right? You understand all means all? All liars shall have their part, even those who tell little white lies. Even those who lied to hurt somebody, it did not hurt somebody's feelings. Yeah. I was sitting in a prayer meeting one time with a bunch of people, and uh, they got to talking about, you know, uh, some issue had come up and how they had all skirted the issue and avoided hurting somebody's feelings by just telling them a white lie. And I listened to that for a while, and I finally said, well, you know, you realize you're all going to hell. I said, what are you talking about, Pastor? We're, in the, we're the prayer warriors. We're the church intercessors. What are you talking about? And I, I took them to that scripture in Revelation. I said, what does it say there? All liars shall have their part in the lake of fire. And this one lady popped up, and she says, well, that, that's not talking about white lies. That's talking about black lies. I said, does it say black lies? Does it say anything about white lie, black lie, gray gray lie? You know, there's no color in lies. It's all, it's all lies. That you could be the holiest sister saint in the church, but if you're a liar, (laughs) ouch! Everybody say ouch. ouch! All liars. Not some of them, not near all, but all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire with the whoremongers and the murderers and all that. You deal with that. That's God's word. That's not my word. That's God's word. Pastor, don't, haven't you ever told a lie? Yeah, and every time I tell a lie, I have to Repent. Every time I tell a lie, I have to repent because it's like tying a cord around my ankles. It's going to cause me to fall. And it affects my faith working. Amen? You see, uh, look in Isaiah 32. I'm going to have to quit here, but Isaiah 32, verse 15. In the Amplified, it says, Until the Spirit is poured upon us from on high... And the wilderness becomes a fruitful field, and the fruitful field is valued as a forest. Then justice will dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness, moral and spiritual rectitude, in every area and relation will abide in the fruitful field. How many of you want to be a fruitful field? Verse 17, And the effect of righteousness will be peace, internal and external. And the result of righteousness will be quietness and confident trust forever. The effect of rightness, of being in right standing with God is quietness and confident trust. Now what is confident trust? It's faith. The effect of living right is faith. The effect of casting aside the sin that easily besets you is faith. If your faith is not working right, repent of the unrighteousness. Clean out the cobwebs and the spider's nest. verse 18 my people shall dwell in a peaceable habitation in safe dwellings and in quiet resting places now with that in mind turn to 1 john 3 1 john chapter 3 verse uh, we're going to go verse 20 and this is going to be in the passion translation 1 john 3:20 in the passion My delightfully loved friends, when our hearts don't condemn us, we have a bold freedom to speak face-to-face with God, and whatever we ask of Him, we receive, because we keep His commandments. And by our beautiful intentions, we continue to do what brings pleasure to Him. So these are His commands that we continually place our trust in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and that we keep loving one another just as He has commanded us. Now, isn't that the great command? The great commandment? Love Him and love each other with all of our hearts. For all who obey His commands find their lives joined in union with Him, and He lives and flourishes in them. We know and have proof that he constantly lives and flourishes in us by the spirit that he has given us. The measure of the spirit in your life is the measure of how much God is living in you. And it's the measure of how fully committed to God you are. So if you want the switch of faith to be operative in your life, And if you want the power of God to be flowing uninterrupted, then the key is to make sure you never tolerate anything that would destroy your confidence, your faith toward God. You see, he says, if your heart doesn't condemn you, then you have confidence toward God. Amen. That confidence there is faith, Amen. The, the freedom to stand boldly in God's presence and ask for anything, knowing that he will give it to you. See, anything that clouds that, anything that messes with that confidence is the thing you need to cast aside. Now for different people it's going to be different things but when you drop to your knees to pray and you're asking God for anything or even when you're just worshiping God that thing that comes up in your mind that wants to switch your faith off that is your besetting sin. Deal with it. Deal with it today and get it out of the way. There's power in the blood of Jesus. If you confess it, he's faithful and just to not only forgive you, but to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Amen? Amen. God is faithful. If If you will stop it, arrest it, confess it, and quit it, your faith switch will work like it's supposed to. This is sound advice. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. Bow your heads with me, and I'm going to ask our ushers if they would prepare the communion elements. And you say, well, what can wash away my sin, Pastor? What, what can deliver me from this body of death? What can, what can get this monkey off my back? What can get this monkey wrench out of the works? What can release my faith, Pastor? Where, where's the power? Oh, there's power in the blood of Jesus and we're going to have a we're going to have a blood fest here as we remember Jesus we remember he's the source of our power he's the source of our strength he's the one who gave us the power to defeat sin amen, amen. by faith sin has died and has no more power over me i confess I commit myself to not repeat that sin. We'll say, Pastor, what if I do? Confess it again. Keep working. If you fall, fall forward. Faith is a forward motion. Well, Pastor, it's not easy. Well, nothing worth having comes easy. But you've got to want this. Amen. Just close your eyes with me right now. And I just want to ask you Has God put his finger on something? If he, if he has put his finger on something in your life, just slip your hands up with me. Just, yeah. It's almost all of us some of us are perfect but you know I, I have to admit while I was preaching this God convicted me of something thank God you know I I, I, I want to be rid of any, any, I don't want to be rid of any weights hallelujah hallelujah you know, one reason I one reason I fall over so easily is I'm 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 my 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 weight is off center. I got this bubble out front, you know. So I'm kind of I'm kind of a wobbly walker, you know. kind of my weight's not evenly distributed, and so I'm work I'm working on getting rid of you know some excess weight because I know how it affects my balance. I know know how the extra torque on my back causes my back to get tired. I know that that as I get older, I don't need to to be carrying extra weight. Amen? So I I constantly fight it. I'm constantly working on it. But that's not what God convicted me of. I'm just telling you, we all have work to do. You might be focused on one thing, and all of a sudden God puts his finger on something else. And you say, God, wait a minute. Let me deal with this before I deal with that. God God says, you know, you need to pay attention to what God points out. Major on what God majors on, and minor on what God minors on. God's not so concerned about you eating pork as he is about you wagging your tongue. Hello? By the way, it's scripturally okay for you to eat pork. Amen. Thank God for bacon. But some people they're so concerned about their dietary habits that they forget that their 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 tongue. Their tongue is the unruly member. And they defile themselves more with their tongue than they do with the food they eat. We need to get our our minds straightened out. The Holy Spirit will help you. If you'll listen to him, he'll help you focus on what you need to focus on. Amen. And you may live a long time eating pork, But God's anger is constantly kindled against those who cross his word. Amen. 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 Pastor, you're tough on us today. Lift up that bread right now. Put it right in front of your eyes. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your body because the offering of your body bought for me my redemption. And with your stripes, I am healed in Jesus' name. I'm healed of all my hurts. Say it with me. I'm healed of all my hurts. All of those wounds are healed in Jesus' name. I forgive the people who've hurt me. And I endeavor to walk in love and forgiveness from this day forward in Jesus' name. Let's eat together. Amen. And then the cup represents the blood of Jesus that is the power of God to wash us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If you have confessed your sin to the Lord, I'm going to give you a moment to do that. Not out loud, just under your breath. Confess whatever it is that Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, has convicted you of this morning. He's put his finger on something that's called the sin, the sin that easily trips you up. Confess that to him right now and ask for his forgiveness. And then we will partake of the cup, the blood that washes every sin away. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, let's receive the cup, the washing of the blood. Thank you, Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall become white as snow. Hallelujah. That's the effect of righteousness. It purifies you of all that defiles. Hallelujah. Can you say, praise the Lord for the blood in the body. Praise the Lord for the blood in the body. Hallelujah. I thank you, Jesus. For all of those that are here today, I thank you, Lord, that we're, we came in one way, but we're going out a new way. We're going out uncondemned. We're going out with our faith supercharged. We're going out with our faith switch working, and the power of God is flowing through our lives today in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen. amen. Stand up with me and give the Lord a big hand clap. Amen. He deserves praise. He is our deliverer. He's our, our freer. He frees us up. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, y'all have a great week. Thank you. And I, I, I just thank God I made it through that whole message without coughing. Amen. I'm healed. Praise God. Have a great week.